When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. My uh, Six Nations winner is it's uh, is Ireland. <laughs> Hi, everybody. It's the next episode of the Time Sunday Times podcast, The Ruck. Don't forget that you can leave a review of us and you can subscribe to us uh, to our weekly podcast on iTunes. We've got a fantastic guest in the studio today, but enough about me. Three giants of journalism and rugby officialdom. First of all, I'll take you back to 2001 on the Lions Tour, where all the assembled hacks in Australia suddenly came across a rather bewildered-looking young lady who had never been to Australia before and had never flown before. Just a few years on, not only is she chairman of the Rugby Union Writers Club, but she's features editor of Rugby World and one of the most... Sorry, what are you? Deputy editor. I'm sorry, she's deputy editor of Rugby World. I've just downgraded her. Was that a, can we upgrade her a bit? Anyway, the bewildered girl lasted about one day. Uh, Sarah Mockford, you're really welcome, Sarah. Thanks very much for having me. What an intro. That was good, wasn't it? We're embarrassed now. Also, now, at a time when everyone's talking about the depth that England have at centre, they never had as much depth as when one of our other guests was contending for the team. Along with Will Carling and Jeremy Guscott, Simon Halliday, in my opinion has great claims to be the best of the three, and something I've always said. Hallers, now retired from the game after a distinguished career, is now chairman of EPCR. That is the body which runs European rugby, the three European competitions. Also, my dear friend from the Times, and sparing your blushes, Owen, you're having a fantastic Six Nations, Owen Slot. Thanks, Steve. You're a great judge of these things. I know. We're going to start immediately with the ruck or the non-ruck, because nothing was more remarkable over the last weekend than the sight of England about to win the ball and most of the uh, Italian team round on their side. Simon, what did you think the first time it happened? Great, great play or big cheats? Well, of course, the ruck when I was playing was something rather different, where if you were brave, you'd let your body lie on the floor and and wished you hadn't as the boots came in to to clear the ball back and, and how things have changed. Uh, somebody told me that um, it's a, ultimately, is it bending the rules? Of course it isn't. It's totally legal. And, and someone like Wayne Smith made that comment this morning. It's actually hiding the fact that England had their worst first half for four years. And I think Eddie is um, doing his usual diversionary tactics. Diversionary, Sarah? Yeah, totally agree. I mean, lots of teams have used this tactic before. Um, as Conor O'Shea said afterwards, Wasp scored a try from it in the European Cup. David Pocock did it against Ireland in the autumn. Now suddenly Italy do it, everyone's up in arms saying how wrong it is. But really, the topic should be why England couldn't adapt to it for 40 minutes. If that was New Zealand playing, they probably would have figured it out within 20 minutes, run straight through the middle, scored three tries or something. Owen, you, you, um, part of your job is to go and listen to Eddie quite, quite frequently, maybe more than you'd like, you really want to, but, but with respect. But um, is Eddie hiding? Did he really mean it? And my impression is that he would deep down be bitterly regretting not 
applauding the the, the cheek and the, the and the intelligence of Italy. I think that bit's right. I, I think he'll um, he'll he'll be he reads absolutely everything that's uh, that's written about him and his team, and he'll see the way the debate's going. I think he led it for for a few hours and, and dragged a few people with him. I mean, this was, this was a disgrace to rugby, but but uh, as people have sort of sat back and stroked their chins a bit, it, it's gone the other way. And uh, and the fact that Conor O'Shea came up with a, a, a pretty smart tactic that confounded England um, uh, is generally being applauded. I don't think that there's a lot of expectation that suddenly world rugby are going to go that this this is a disgrace to the game I, th- I don't think much is going to change there I, th- I, th- I do listen to Eddie a lot and you you get used to, to the way he tries to drive the conversation and, and I think you, it's already been touched on by Simon and Sarah uh, he, he may he may have um, been too ferocious in his attack on the Italians but but what he did succeed in doing which I think he was trying to achieve was, was he's got us all looking at this ruck talking about this ruck and and no one's talking about the fact that that was an extremely poor England performance. Uh, for, for me, for me, one thing that, that I think is a really interesting talking point from this is is the captain. So we're talking about leadership and the fact that the England team was stuck; they didn't know what to do. Now Dylan, as we're told, we see time and time again, he's the captain. He's the leader. That's one of the reasons he's in the team. But what happened to the leadership on that occasion? Is it, does that argument now disappear? Oh, a very good point. My impression is that to say that it's killing the game or anything, is there anything more boring than the usual ruck where people go round the corner a yard, round the corner a yard, round the corner a yard, ad infinitum, you might as well look at your watch. Suddenly, you had a thing where England were in the open field with the ball and had to do something off the cuff. And I think that was far more entertaining than, than, than killing the game. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com We've just come out of a, a, another great weekend of the Six Nations various, uh, v- v- for various reasons, and I think I'm going to ask, as normal now, everyone for their me- personal memory. We'll start with you, Sarah. Personal memory of a great weekend. OK, if we're talking men's Six Nations, I just wanted to point out two drop goals. Don't see drop goals very often in um, Test Rugby anymore, so Johnny Sexton dropped a really good one against France at the weekend, and then Thomas, Tommaso Allen did one against England, so that was real standout but if Six Nations as a whole has to be Scotland women winning their first Six Nations game for seven years against Wales on Friday night Yeah I, I, I mean the, the, the degree of delirium when uh, the final whistle went was fantastic and good luck to them I just thought that was fantastic Slotty? Uh, two uh, two standout number nine performances on Saturday. I watched the Wales game and, and uh, I, I just loved watching Rhys Webb coming back into top form and I, I just loved the way he just roasted uh, the uh, the Scotland team, especially in that first half. Uh, I, I sat, sat back, sort of uh, rubbed my hands, thought, well, that, that's that, that's maybe the the, uh, the Lions number nine seat uh, sorted. Then you see Conor Murray come on mm. and play a, a slightly different game with more authority, led a team better. Someone, I, I put something on Twitter and someone texted me back say, um, uh, got back to me and said, said slightly bitchy but said Reese Webb plays for himself Connor plays for a team I thought 
Uh, not particularly pleasant, but maybe you're on it there. I thought it was two great performances, different style, uh, and great to watch. Simon, memories? Well, I'll, I'll stick with the number nine theme. I mean, it was a weekend where you saw some incredibly good passing out wide. We might come back to that. Um, you don't often see that. But who can have seen a sidestep like Sirin pulled out on Carney? Um, it was reminiscent of Phil Bennett at his best. It was sensational. You hardly ever see that. Unfortunately, didn't score a try from it. But for me, it was the quality moment in a, a weekend where there's some very high quality on display. Campan- <laughs> Campagnaro's step on uh, on Mike Brown was uh, a bit pretty tasty, was, wasn't it? I've got Campagnaro absolutely <laughs> Is that down number here. two in yeah. your sidestep ratings been, of the weekend? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> right. I can't remember sidestepping like that ever. I would have fallen over, but um, it Simon, was special. Just going back to something we, again, something else we used to see, when even when um, Bath were at their attacking best, did you not always take the drop goal if it was on, and did you not always take the points when they were offered? That's two things that doesn't seem to happen every single time and of course it's interesting people talk about the last 20 minutes the best teams operate in the last 20 minutes and you know in modern day it's the all blacks and actually it's england you know in the last 20 minutes they're sensational people used to say to bath how did you beat us by 30 points and you were two points down with 20 minutes to go because we're better and we're fitter and we kill games off and that is the test of a proper side Okay, well, well done spotting the drop goal, Sarah. Now, it's very, um, we can't go on and on about England because we've got loads of subscribers from Scotland and Ireland, two teams who uh, who won their games. Now, from, from in my opinion, the, the greatest moment of the weekend was the sheer fervour, almost animal fervour of the crowd at Murrayfield. And that is just something that's been missing. And Simon, you know all about that from uh, 1990. Yeah, I mean, they wrote a book about it. Uh, it was um, it was apparently anti-Maggie Thatcher, anti-Poll Tax. They all knew the words of the Flower of Scotland. We knew we were in trouble at that point. And uh, we were the high-flying England team, and we came unstuck. And my God, it was hostile. Did, 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 it, did, just how, did it feel like that? I mean, it, it's, it's such a historical game, that. You say, you say the Thatcher, the, the, the politics. I mean, did it feel well, like we, you were we, against... We read all that, but we were playing so well. And Bill McLaren, bless his soul said after our last training session never seen a session that good we didn't drop a ball we operated at a high pace we ran out onto the pitch didn't even see David Sol walking out because he was so wrapped up in what we were going to do and then they sung the Flower of Scotland right into our faces and I looked across at uh, Jerry Gus and said oh my god they know the words we're in trouble here um, <laughs> genuine Scottish nationalism and you know they were in our face in the first 10 minutes the, the verbal going on was outrageous and very physical and you know we still should have won the game but um, history tells you it probably was the precursor for the double grand slam which obviously is what we, we achieved um, the following two years Sarah um Scotland did a, got a fantastic win over Wales. They probably weren't as good as they were against Ireland. You've got to ask the question now, can they possibly win at Twickenham? I don't think so, but I think they could probably come away with a losing bonus point. Oh, They're going to come... Bonus point. <laughs> I know, I just thought I'd, you know, wind you up there. Did no one tell you? We're not, we don't have that phrase in this podcast. Oh, sorry. Not even from you. Do I get you evicted? To, no, no, you can stay for five minutes. Lucas, carry on with the bonus You're point. You're on probation. When he says we, he means I. <laughs> Oh, oh, sorry. All right, then. But I think they're going to come with a lot of confidence. But the two wins they've had so far have been at home. And this one's at Twickenham. England have come off the back of a disappointing performance, probably the worst performance under Eddie. They're going to, they've got two weeks now to prepare. And I think they're going to come out in that game wanting to you know, get a good win and go to Dublin for to try and get the Grand Slam. Fair point. Uh, Owen, I'll just ask you and, and Simon, um, he made changes for, for Sunday. Who comes back to play in the Calcutta Cup? against the Scots or, what, or what's the team especially behind the scrum 
I uh, he'll go. Um, I think he'll go back to Jonathan Joseph. I mean, that's just just what he's that's his tried and tested. I I, I think that's what he'll do. Um, uh, he'll have Watson back again. So he, he's got so many back three players. Uh, Nowell's every time Nowell's been near a ball, he's he's been brilliant, isn't he? He's not made a mistake. Um, uh, when he came on, he injected so much into a struggling England team. Um, so who who are your wingers? Elliot Daly is is uh, probably the most flawless England player on uh, in the campaign so far. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he goes for uh, for uh, Nowell and I don't know maybe even rest Daly and um, and and Watson because he because he wants some real pace. Do you think there's any chance he'd pick Daly at thirteen? Uh, yeah, I do. I think there's a real chance. Okay, Simon. Daly has to play. He's the, he's the best back in the Six Nations Championship, and then he has to play wherever he picks. Obviously, he's the great example of centres playing on the wing. So we we'll go back a few years, and uh, I think I was the first centre to be put on the wing. And they and, all followed you after. And they all they? set a you precedent. Set a trend. Jack Noel has to play. He's sensational. That guy. Mm. He just makes things happen, and uh, I think he's more than a finish. I think he's got real gas for the whole match. So. I think they, they both have to play. I think you, you're right, probably get back to Joseph. Tia never got enough ball, did he? It's um, got a bit in the second half, but you couldn't really judge him on that display. I think they'll still ask questions. I mean, Eddie won't, but you know, a non-passing fullback for me is, is always a bit of a stress because um, you know what he's going to do. But, you know, Mike made a lot of metres, which on the day was fine. Okay. Um, I keep so, on yeah. writing that he's going to phase Mike Brown out, but he just hasn't. Every game, I think we're going to see Mike removed after sixty minutes, fifty-five, fifty, and then slowly there's going to see you see your evolution. But it's not happened at all. As far as Scotland are concerned, I have to say that when I before the Wales and uh, Scotland and Wales game, and even at half time, I thought, well, Scotland have got no chance at all at, at Cardiff at uh, in uh, at Twickenham. I think they do have a faint chance because um, they've got the Grey brothers that they built the pack around, slightly slightly struggling in the scrum. They're really going to have to terrible on scrum. That yeah, they, they got hurt good, badly. But, but great, England great, didn't have a great scrum against Italy. No, they didn't. And and, and, I, and I think England still got to sort the succession out. Maybe even the starter at tight end prop. But just to go back to Scotland, um, so so much talent in the backs. Simon, you said uh, great passing out wide, which, yeah, which led to the, both their scores. Hundred percent. I've got I've got three Scottish backs in my team of the week, for example. Mm. And uh, I love the way Vissa played. My God, where does that come from? Mm. Um, but I love the delayed passing I mean Hogg is just really got it Hugh Jones when they play the game that suits him he's got real talent real class time on the ball I'm loving what they're doing out wide and and that's where they have to play England because you know up front I think that gets found out in the tight actually and um, they've got a few injuries as well but I think they come to Twickenham for the first time in many many years really thinking they can do it we all know if you tack England out wide you you go places because that's been shown this season and last Sarah, um, Ireland are well, not not creeping up uh, unannounced because they're going like a bomb. But um, it's all building up for the um, for the for the finale. Uh, what do you think of Ireland at the moment in in a game that was I felt far more intense uh, last week than than the game at Murrayfield? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was Murray and Sexton. I mean, Sexton coming back after injury layoff, you, you wouldn't have known he'd been away. Him and Murray just controlled that game, and I think if you. Th- Look back at Murray against New Zealand, he was superb when they won in Chicago. The first two games of the Six Nations, he probably hasn't hit the same heights. But having Sexton back alongside him seems to bring the best out of each other and then they bring the best out of those around him. And I thought they managed the game superbly. And, you know, it'll be really interesting in Cardiff Friday night 
those two against Bigger and Webb. That's the, you know, Webb Murray, as Owen said earlier, that's a direct Lions head-to-head. So it'd be really interesting to see how that works out. Ireland at the moment, Owen, are they running ahead of England, Jess, considering they're the home team? Yeah, I, I think so. The, the, the fact is, England haven't played a really good game in the Six Nations. They've got they've got through three three victories and obviously uh, leading the Six Nations Championship, but but we haven't seen them uh, really on fire or, or actually particularly hot. They've got out of they've got out of holes. They've shown heart and spirit, but it's never really really connected. They've we talked about how much they miss Billy. I think almost every week we we, we learn more about that. Um, so uh, I think Ireland are ahead of uh, England, but on, on the counter side to that, um, we know England can be um, so much better. So there's more improvement in them. Sarah, we can come back to you now because um, there's another England Island confrontation looming at the end of the of the Women's Six Nations. Um, been very good so far. You mentioned Scotland's first win, which was great for the tournament. You've seen the England games. How are the girls going, and are they shaping to retain the World Cup in World Cup year? Oh well, I think you still have to consider New Zealand in that wider argument of the World Cup. But in terms of the Six Nations, yeah, it's shaping up to be Grand Slam decider in Donnybrook, St Patrick's Day, um, that Friday night, because Ireland and England are both level on 14 points. They've won all three of their games and they're both looking good. France, last year's champions, they've both beaten them. England at the weekend, they changed a lot for Italy. They still won with a bonus point. Vicky Fleetwood scored a hat-trick. I think she's the first front rower to score a hat-trick in the men's or women's championship. But probably the most interesting thing now is Katie McLean got sent off in that game for a dangerous tackle. If she um, if she gets banned for the Ireland game, that's going to ha- have quite a lot of ramifications for England because against Wales, she was superb. Her distribution just created about mo- nearly all their tries. So if she's missing, that would give Ireland an advantage. But in contrast as well, Ireland, they've taken three of their key backs out for the France game to play in the Las Vegas Sevens which doesn't really sit well with me in World Cup yet. There's a home World Cup. They should be picking their best players, building towards that so they have a chance to win it. So, But they still got the win against France. So it'll be interesting to see if those girls come back in for the decider at Donnybrook, which well, I think it will be. I think Ireland will beat Wales, who have disappointed in this Six Nations, given their performances before. And Scotland, despite the win over Wales, they're not going to beat England at the stoop. Who's, um, who's emerging? Come to Owen after, but who's emerging in the England team? I think it's more players that are coming back. So Scarrett's back and she's in the same form when they won the World Cup in 2014. One of the players I've really liked is Harriet Miller-Mills, who's usually a back row. She's been playing in the second row. She had a fantastic game at Cardiff. Yeah, you? she's just been phenomenal. A lot of God go forward. She's She's got a lot of power and managed to break the line quite well. And also on Saturday, Alex Matthews was back, who I think is probably England's best back row. Like She just manages to break the line every time and put people into space. So it's good to see her back from injury as well. Oh, oh and um, Sarah just mentioned about the Irish taking players out of their Six Nations team in a non-Olympic year to play sevens. That is absolutely scandalous when the Six Nations is trying to build itself up for the women, surely. I, I don't understand. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Why would you do it? Um, the the World Cup is your your platform, your your everything. So oh, it doesn't make sense to me. That and, and it's a home World Cup. Ireland are the home team. Absolutely ridiculous. I think the thing is that their sevens team in Ireland is contracted, whereas the fifteens aren't. 
so in England, all the 15s are now contracted. They're the first team to go professional. Apparently, there's rumours that France are going to go professional next year. Bernard Laporte's come in and wants to maybe introduce that for the French women. But in Ireland, it's the sevens that are contracted, but not the 15s. So why don't you put your best com- best players on contract and put them in whatever is the most appropriate exactly. to competition? Which is what England should have done. No, I, I mean, I agree. Let's drive. Take the take the, the the girls that need fitness out to Vegas for the sevens. Tell them no partying, and they get fitter. Come back, and it's helpful for the squad. I think it's because they want to um, ensure that they're going to get a place at the Women's Sevens World Cup next year. Ah, but there you go. personally, I think if you're it's World Women's World Cup year, it's your home World Cup, you should be picking your best team. Simon, so, mean, you and Sevens were very, very rarely seen in the same bracket, unless it was a massive end of season pizzup <laughs> University, what? we played Sevens, and we only ever got, got up when it was Loughborough, because obviously they wore purple tracksuits. We didn't like them very much at Oxford. But fair enough. But what, what do you think of the of the of the boom in Sevens? It's changed beyond all recognition. I think. It's fantastic I mean the going back to our, our third tournament Spain has a club in our third tournament and they got past Samoa to perform in the Olympic Sevens you know you had 94,000 people in Barcelona to watch the top 14 final Spain is starting to get rugby I mean they always have but in a bigger way now all the emerging countries are using Sevens as a way in it stands on its own I don't think it'll ever compete it's not going to be a T20 effect because it's a kind of social day out as well for the spectators but I, I'm loving the growth and for some countries it will lead to 15s and for some it won't and that's fine If you had a crystal ball sign which would, which would be your bolter nation because we're talking about Germany Spain Portugal lots of these Germany You think Germany? Germany, Germany operates in our competition as well and they beat uh, Romania. Romania. I mean, that's they then got beaten fifty-six by Georgia, though, which I think shows the difference in standard in that. Yeah, but I think that could have been a hundred a couple of years ago. Okay, Simon. Now you're here. We'd be remiss not to ask you about European competitions. I'm, I'm then going to go on to um, Sarah and Owen about them. Um, you've got a great quarter-final lineup. Uh, first of all, let's deal with probably the bottom the bottom rung because you've got a sort of effective third team competition which is going to reach a, um, a a climax of its own in in Edinburgh, possibly between Timisoara and NSI. How big is that development role looming in your future plans? Well, we're obviously encouraging it as much as we can. You've got clubs from Spain, Portugal, Romania, Italy, um, Belgium, uh, two from Russia, you know, and. It's obviously got its own logistics um, challenges, but the, the game is growing in all those countries and elsewhere around Europe. So I, mean, I think that four million people watch the World Cup in Germany. You know, Heidelberg is a very good side. Germany's just beaten Romania. So for us, it's it's important. And obviously, the two kind of winners go into the Challenge Cup. NSA won two games twice now. You know, they've beaten very, very highly fancied teams um, at home, admittedly. Um, and no, no more re, um, problems in playing in Siberia, which is a bit of an issue for Connett. Um, <laughs> although, as I said to them, that bonding experience allowed them to win the Pro 12, so they shouldn't yeah. have complained too much. And they, and they got back on Thursday and they as well. Got back, they had a week away. I mean, yeah. there was a, like a tour. I mean, gosh, you know, what mm. else do you want? So, you know, we're very excited about it, and uh, we're managing it because it's got real opportunity. I don't think it's a kind of default, you know, we need to grow the game type view. 
it's a real genuine competition people care a lot about. And uh, it's so people think, you know, we have a UK competition with a bit of help from the UK and France, a bit of help from Italy. That's not the case. It's much wider than that. What, um, let's just go on to the main competition. You know, because we've spoken about it. I, I felt that with the Premiership just growing, 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 top 14, growing, 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 although not playing any rugby over there, that, that you're in danger of kind of being usurped by the two domestic competitions. Do you think that was, uh, that was unfair of me? And uh, are you happy with the way that the, the, the main tournament is progressing? I think, you know, n- nothing stands still. And the, the growth of the Premiership, top 14, and in fact, the way Pro 12 is developing mm. as well with, you know, bringing home and away fixtures and Judgment Day and all the, you know, the big destination crowds. It's put a lot of traditional theories under pressure. Nothing could ever reproduce the old Heineken Cup atmosphere. You know, we've had to rework that model and find our place in the season. Last year was very difficult because World Cup year. And, you know, the Irish went missing. Um, and that was that hurt the tournament for sure. Uh, and, you know, the Ospreys didn't qualify and the Scots didn't make it through. So this year we've got a great mix. You know, you've got, you've got Irish province, you've got Glasgow, you've got Edinburgh in the Challenge Cup, you've got the finals in Edinburgh. It's got a really good mix to it, and we're very excited about it. I think year one in the new format, if you like, um, was a a good success relative. We now to kick on again, uh, make the competition even stronger. And, uh, yeah, we've got to find our place. uh, Sarah, your opinion of the, well, not new anymore, but the European competition this season and and as a possibility for the future, or sorry, uh, and, and the way it's going to go in the future? I think it's the important thing this year was that there weren't just English and French clubs in the quarterfinal. It's great to see the Irish provinces back on, you know, in the European form we know. And it was brilliant to see Glasgow get through as well. I was at the Leicester game. I thought they were phenomenal in both games against Leicester, to be Mm. honest. And um, it's great to see them come through. They've been that bit that close very often. And now they finally made the breakthrough. I think... I still have a question mark over whether there should be an Italian team guaranteed into the Champions Cup. I think it should be on Pro 12 positioning because that automatically makes that one pool a bit one-sided. And if it meant that one year you've got four Irish provinces and two Scottish teams and one Welsh or one Italian, fine. I think it should be the best teams qualifying. And the other issue is TV. Is it getting confusing when there's different games on different channels and no one really knows where it's where to watch it well just before i hand over to owen i hate i hate these sunday night kickoffs where people don't get home till nine o'clock but owen um uh, i'm a champions cup yeah i i I didn't realize it i think i'm a bit of a um a competitions bore i i I like looking at the way that they they work and and how you could could tinker with them and people have been saying to me what what the, the, the final two rounds of the group stages, so group five and six, are not quite enough really exciting um, uh, contests and and, 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 uh, and qualification issues still alive. So what, what about making the group smaller uh, and having an extra knockout round before? So, you, so instead of having a, a, a final eight, you have a final 16, and then you can have some blistering, massive knockout uh, uh, um, games uh, uh, back in January before the, before you get into Six Nations. Simon, I know you're going to employ me on the back of that. Simon, that phenomenally uh, clever idea. Now the competitions board have come up with that new plan. First of all, no, it's a fair point. Comment on that. And also, uh, Italians, should you have an, uh, any representative of any country if they're palpably not of Champions Cup standard? I, th- I think if you um, deal with all those points, <clears throat> the... There's history, obviously, involved in the sense that when all of this was set up, everyone signed up um, for a multi-year period, and it, it wanted it needs to be highly representative. 
so everyone had a stake in it and that's the way it's been been dealt with uh, having said all of that undoubtedly everybody wants a situation where it's as meritocratic as possible as opposed to pre-arranged last year the scarlets almost didn't make it in had they not made it in, they would have, if you saw what I mean, because uh, I think Edinburgh would have missed out because Scarlet's would have been injected in because we needed a Welsh um, a representative because the Ospreys had had a poor season. So it's not just Italy, but, you know, we're, let's say everyone's looking at it, including the Italians, because, you know, they're rebuilding um, themselves. They need a structure that works for them. They, they, no one enjoys being tonked by 50 points every weekend. Uh, so no one's hiding the, the matter. It's, you know, it's all under discussion, as is automatic qualification into the Champions Cup. You know, it, the playoffs were there for a reason. It was there to help Pro 12 find their way through, perhaps, for another club. And that was the trade that was out there. So I think there's, there's lots of ways to improve. What um, do you think the chances we'll of, Italy, of an Italian club being in Champions Cup next season, Simon? I think, well, anything... Uh, well, I mean, obviously, I can't, can't comment on anything um, as, as detailed as that I think if we continue to make improvements they'll happen when everyone's got an agreement as to how it's going to work so you know th- things don't I mean, at the moment I've got we're knee deep trying to work out where we fit in the global season which is you know where we're going to be playing all our fixtures and what time of year and you know those are very important if we had another well. three hours on the podcast we could sort that out couldn't we we've got, well, um, the global season we'd get the first week down in three hours <laughs> uh, just, just, just move on because uh, we mentioned a number of TV companies it is the golden era for armchair rugby rugby viewers rugby followers and there's a lot of people out there who are in that army um, when I first started watching Lions Tours, we used to get half an hour on a Wednesday, I think, with Nigel Starmer-Smith um, introducing it from a broom cupboard. Now, it is unbelievable the number of rugby games that are on across uh, the whole of Europe and uh, and everywhere. You get uh, BBC Alba in Scotland, BBC Wales, obviously. Uh, everyone seems to be competing, which is healthy. Sarah, um, What's the standard like? Are we being well served by our broadcasters? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think the problem is there's so much rugby, you could probably just spend your whole weekend in front of the TV. And um, sometimes I struggle to pick what to watch. On another occasion, it's great Friday night come in, or I'll tune into BBC Ulster and watch whatever Ulster game's on that evening. But yeah, I think there's, and there's a lot of quality broadcasters out there. I don't know whether it's the problem for the armchair fan is what deal do you pay for if you want to watch it all you've got to pay for bt you've got to pay for sky and that can be quite a big expense to cover to you know to enjoy your passion we'll ask hallas about the terrestrial v satellite but uh, dispute but um owen is it is it the golden era is there too much do the ex-players who clearly don't do a single stroke of research wind you up at all do they wind you up steve no not at all <laughs> I I uh, I'm sort of surprised that that you say that. I I um I enjoy watching almost the very large majority of ex players that that have are in there working. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah, I, the I, ones who the ones who do the work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But 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 I think most of them are are, are really really good. I, I've um uh I think for instance Paul Grayson. I I, I listen to him. And I just think his. Uh, his analysis on on the go is is so smart. I've I've watched um, the the, sort of the the new boy Paul O'Connell this season. I think um, his 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 just wisdom and contribution and and and, and savvy is um, brings so much more. I, I 
I, I really enjoy listening to these guys and 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 he- hearing their opinions. I think they they on the whole that they they really in, enlighten the, uh, the, the the scene. It's great we can have this conversation without Barnsley here. No, no, exactly. Thank God he's not here. But the other thing is he can't work out how to go onto iTunes, so he'll never he'll never <laughs> listen to it. Um, Paul Grace and I agree. Ben K, tremendous. Uh, just a few th- uh, random ones for me to read. But I love Gareth Charles on BBC Wales as a commentator. Most of them are, are, are absolutely brilliant. Simon, would you like to? Have have uh, your competitions on terrestrial, or is that just pie in the sky? Well, it's it's a time old topic. I, by the way, I was one of the. Uh, remember me on Rebel Special, commentating a few times, surrounded by Celts. I don't think Sarah and I were alive then. I was watching Ian Spurs. Robertson, I was watching Spurs Chris on the other Ray, side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those boys. Oh my yeah. god, it was a shocker. Anyway, um, it's back to the current day. So obviously, you take France for example, where. There is a live free-to-air, and it attracts a few million. Uh, and then, obviously, be in sport, take the pay-per-view. I don't think it's controversial in, in the UK to be pay-per-view dominated. It's been like that. Uh, and, obviously, we have a unique situation where BT and Sky kind of share the platform, but then that's based in history as well. Obviously, our role, absolutely, is to get the competition out to the, the widest audience possible. But, of course... You know, that has to be married up with the fact that, you know, putting games on free-to-air commercially in its TV money, as we know, look at football, for example, versus commercial sponsorship that like to see eyeballs. You know, they want to see millions and millions. Mm. But, of course, that they're, what they're prepared to pay for that is a lot less than broadcasters will pay for the rights to screen your, your game. So it's a perennial issue, but I, I'm sure we're, you know, we're going to drive towards a balance that um, works for everybody. Sarah, so are we not? Are we not? No, have we not had enough of? We we are the people who actually go to games. All f- people in this studio and uh, loads of people spend a lo- lot of time and money going to games. They're the true supporters. They're the people who fill the grounds. Aren't we cheesed off now with it? ridiculous co- uh, kickoff times, kickoff days, etc.? Yeah, I mean, I think it is making it more difficult. Like I. Italy, England on Sunday. I went to got the train there with a load of fans. It was, we had to wait 25 minutes at Clapham to get a train. I don't understand, you know, when it's a big test match like that, surely they should put more regular trains on. I think it is more difficult to fit those in. But I understand Simon's point of work as well. It's about reaching a bigger audience and spreading, you know, growing the game that way. And then maybe you do get more fans turning up. I think a late kickoff on a Sunday is really, really bad. Horrible. Because people have to take a Monday off work then as well. Simon shifting uneasily in his seat. <laughs> I, I, let, let me let me say that this is absolutely front and centre of a debate at the moment. And one, I think less will be more going forward, certainly for, with a European hat on. And two, none of us like the graveyard slots on Sunday. And I'm sure we're going to work work to to remove some of those if we can. Well said, Chairman. Um, great hands, isn't just... it? So there was a difficult clash for me on sat on Sunday uh, between. Um, England, Italy, and uh, Harry Kane scoring a hat trick. <laughs> I'll leave you to guess which team I watched and which I caught up on the video later. Sir Harry Kane, I should say. Go ahead, Sarah. I was just going to say um, on the subject of terrestrial TV, it's great that the Women's World Cup this year is going to be on ITV. Um, previously, it's been on Sky, and it's I think to take it to that wider audience, which we've been trying, to, which the BBC are doing this year with their highlight show. I think it'll be really interesting to see if that results in a growth in the game, just because it'll be it's in Ireland. It'll be normal, you know, easy to watch for people in terms of kickoffs. You get the under twenties on the telly as well now, and it's it's extraordinary amount of rugby. Do you know what the most watched club match last year was? The biggest audience. Drum roll, please. Go on. Faster match. Half a million. 
Well, Simon's just dropped a incendiary device <laughs> by saying that the biggest audience was the varsity match so, does that um, does that count as a club match though oh yeah yeah, yeah Oxford that. because that's yeah, no, yeah. is that cl- is that not constituent university match yeah. rather than ah, clubs well when i was that's on, not um, it doesn't result in a league or cup win does it like well, that's, just, know, pre- just that's proof of the power of terrestrial tv that's i mean that's what you're saying that's yeah. unbelievable well, yeah when i was on um, rugby world magazine we had a secretary called linda and someone rang up and said I'm sorry to bother you. Can you tell me when the varsity match is this year? And she said, I, yeah, I'll try and find out who's playing in it. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to, it's all too chummy and we're all agreeing with us, with each other, which is very, very rare. So we're now going to ask Owen Slot to give us his team of last weekend um, in the Six Nations, drawn from all three games. And then we'll rip it to shreds or agree in the unlikely event that we do. Slotty, um, you saw uh, two of the games, you caught all three. Let's have your team. Where are you going to start? I'm going to start with an all-Scottish back three, actually. I I liked... um uh, Elliot Daly and Jack Noel on the wings for England. I thought Liam Williams was was very hot for Wales, and I like well, well Liam Williams in my uh, Lions team. But uh, uh, Visser, I don't know why, why I haven't seen more of him recently. Uh, to, uh, Tommy Seymour was um, was very good. Stuart Hogg, um, just fantastic creation of those two tries. So uh, um, uh, disagree at your wish. I'm going to agree with with the wings definitely. I think Stuart, uh, it's almost like I got a vendetta against him now. But think again, his defence. I'm just thinking of Stuart Hogg uh, in in New Zealand with the balls raining down on him. But outside in those outside channels, as Simon said earlier, absolutely brilliant. Where's Slotty gone wrong there, Sarah? Um, I've got Elliot Daly in mind, but I do agree with Stuart Hogg. I mean, it produced oh. the second that pass of the Six Nations after Farrell's against okay. um, Wales and. Um, I've got Vista on mine, but I think, yeah, Liam Williams played really well and I think he would probably be in my Lions team. But I just think Daly in this Six Nations has been the consistent performer for England and he yep. deserves a place on the other wing, even if it is not in the on the oh, side that he would usually S- play. Simon, as a reluctant wing yourself. I've got Noel on the wing. Yeah, I'm just that's so good impressed. Choice. Yeah, I'm so impressed. I got I, I do have Vista on the I mean, team of the week. I mean, he undid George North in about a yard now. That was a pretty special moment. So he gets in just on that. I've got Daly in the side because I've stuck him in at centre. I was, by the way, given about half an hour to, <laughs> to think about this team. And I've got the Campagnaro in the centre. Yeah. I love that guy. Oh, he's, he's my 13, actually. Okay, so centres. You've no, got no, to... we were, they're already ahead of me. I've got Campagnaro in my 13. Mm-hmm. I actually, as we've done these teams of the week so far, I found that the centre's hardest to pick. There's fewer fewer centres uh, and hooker as well that really jump out but I do have Campagnaro uh, as my 13 I thought Gary uh, Ringrose was pretty good as well um, 12 I found I, was the position I struggled with most this, this week and, and, and I'm gone with uh, Gail Ficou the Frenchman yeah, that's not that cool. Difficult to argue with. The, uh, with Campagnaro, you know, I mean, the guy who's had two seasons with Exeter. I'm not knocking uh, Zebra, but when you played with Exeter, you've got confidence. When you play for Zebra, the poor lads, some of them not hardly win a game all season. And I just think it sometimes it shows. I'm not saying they should all have a mass exodus, but uh, I think that shows. So go on to your half-backs. You're not doing too badly so far. So thank, thanks for your um, for your, your support there. Yeah. I, 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 the, so all Ireland at half-back, I thought Reece Webb was great, as I said before, but uh, Murray and Sexton... Uh, 
just pure class. Uh, I, like many people, I wrote question mark, question mark, question mark around Johnny Sexton. Is he robust, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what a phenomenal response to all, all, all that questioning. So uh, those two. I, I've got all those question marks about the robustness, and that's why I'd go for Finn Russell because yeah, I think he's a, he's a kind of almost like a Glas, Glaswegian barroom brawler. I don't mean actually, but in, in his demeanour. I just thought he was tr- tremendous, and he got those wide passes going. Yep, I'm, I'm with you on that. And I, I, th- I thought, when you talk about Sexton and Murray, I thought Murray was sensational. Hmm. Um, I think Sexton fed off him a bit, but it was Murray that won that game for Ireland. Okay, Sarah's on your side, uh, Owen, at the moment. Thanks, Carry Sarah. on. Yeah, yeah, I I was. Yeah, it's pathetic. We, we can take them on. Someone, someone understands what's going on there. Okay, hmm. I'll do my front row. Uh, the um, uh, Italian loose head, uh, Lavotti, who... Um, uh, we, we talk about head to heads a lot, um, but you uh, as we know, you don't uh, uh, see them really apart from the front row. And, and um, he, he was a clear winner over Dan Cole, so it's a, he, he's at one. Um, Hooker again, not no standouts. Um, uh, so I've gone with the Frenchman Girardo, who, who who I just like as a class player anyway. Thought um, Rory Best had his best game so far, and I've got Taj Furlong as, uh, as my tight head. Yeah. Two, like three tiger. good ones. Simon, well, I, I, front row. I'm in my tire comfort zone here, so um, yeah. I, I thought the the break by Carl Sinclair was absolutely sensational. And that gets him in on that alone. I mean, well that done. was like an outside well centre break. I, I, you know, you look at Lions situations over the weekend and you know Ireland closed that game out and uh, you've got to have Rory Best at two on that basis and um, uh, I'll go with your Lavotti but um, we have a view to well, that's, that's, so. a, that's a three good ones Owen you're doing much better than usual hardly knows to respond uh, at, um, at lock I have I, I just thought I could have one Englishman in there, so I've gone with Joe Launchbury. Uh, he, he he seemed to have an idea of what was going on um, more than anyone else, and uh, Johnny Gray on the uh, on the other side, the default man of the match, Joe Launchbury. Whenever he can play badly, he gets man of the match. Exactly. <laughs> Even when they get knocked out the World Cup, he's man of the match. Sarah, I really, I really like Johnny Gray as well, but I've gone for Launchbury, and then I'm going to pronounce this guy's name really badly. But I just thought Andres van Schwuck the. Italian second row. I've got the was name fin- pronounced even worse. Yeah, I've no idea, Hayes, but I thought he was phenomenal. He, made, he like he made breaks all the way. You know, he was cutting England defensively quite a lot, and also he was at the heart of the sort of no ruck gate. And I just thought, you know, let's get some Italians in there. They had a really, you know, he is an Italian, is he? Well, he's in the Italian it? team. I don't know about his heritage. Sarah, you're not going to those African seminars like you used to, are you? <laughs> oh, right. That's good, 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 good choices. Love the Sinclair choice, Hellers. Absolutely brilliant. G- great South London lad, booming up the field like yeah, that was tremendous. Br- yeah. Brings you to your feet. Yeah. In my back row, I've got uh, two Scotsmen again uh, on the on the flanks. So. Everyone's worried we're going to Scotland are going to miss Greg Laidlaw. Uh, I thought they were were better without him. Uh, I thought that Ali Price was a, was a faster, better distribution and caused more more uh, trouble around around the uh, around the side of the rucks. Uh, Finn Russell kicked everything, um, and leadership question mark John Barkley brilliant. So I've got him as my six. Could have had Marrow. Could have had CJ Stander. But I got him as my six. Could have had uh, Warburton as my seven, but he played for sixty minutes, like most of the Wales team, or maybe fifty five, or even less if you, if you want. Uh, and actually, Hamish Watson had one of the standout performances of the uh, of yeah. the whole tournament so far and uh, eight really like he slip uh, but uh, Italy they just they hang around, they hang on the giant that is Parise so he's he's my eight 
Good. Any any disagreement? Anyone got a contender in the back row team? Of the week? I got Gordon. Yeah, yeah, well I think done. he was good, but yeah. I still think Watson had probably a bigger influence. I like Watson as well on the game. Got both in there. I mean, Indeed. I actually think eight was really there. wasn't really a standout no. number eight this no. weekend, so I actually picked CJ Stander and moved him to eight. Well, because I've got Gordon Watson and Itoji, so I'm absolutely with you. <laughs> I just <laughs> think you know, Pickamoles. No, but Pickamoles has been phenomenal for the first two rounds. He did, you know, Ireland shut him down quite well. He slipped, mm. didn't get the same momentum. Neither did Ryan Wilson. Parise, I think, is brilliant, but sometimes he just tries to do too much himself and needs to maybe trust those around him. When he caught that ball uh, going out into touch, was just um, sensational. Yeah. If only Mr. P- Mrs. Priestley Senior had more Parise's. Um, just, just a just final note. Um, <laughs> we're talking about number eights, etc. And George North, uh, Wales have got to find a way to get Toby Falatau and George North back to form because it transforms their options. And you've got two world class players that are w- who are way off. I just want to, just before we end, I just want you to give me the the one name, the winner of the Six Nations this year from this distance, starting with Sarah. Why'd you have to come to me first? That's one name. England. Owen? England. Of course. Okay, well, I'll be... The but comments, non- comment, com- comment of the week, Steve, has to be Roman Poit, doesn't it? Yes, comment of the week, definitely. In, in response to Haskell's what do we do? Yeah. I'm the referee, not the coach. Yeah. I love that. I mean, that's taking over from Nigel Owens big time. I just thought Roman Pratt is, is brilliant anyway. Thanks a million uh, to Sarah Mockford, to Owen Slot, and to Simon Halliday. It's been lovely having you in, guys. Don't forget, you can leave us a review uh, and you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, we'll be back next week where we will be looking forward to Wales, uh, Ireland. How big is that? And England, Scotland, Calcutta Cup, also France, Italy. Thanks for listening to The Ruck. The Ruck.